We've been in the series of Advent. We've uh, spoke the last few weeks over the candles of, or that represent or signify peace, hope, and joy. Today, we speak about love. Everybody say love. I've always wondered about love and how it's used. You know, we have one word here in the English language that we use for love. And what is that word? Exactly, love. So how does it make you feel when all of a sudden your wife tells you that, you know, she loves her little puppy dog that she got and, and she loves you too? You know, when all of a sudden I get, I, I get put in the same, that Debbie doesn't have a puppy dog, but if, when, you, when you get put into the same sentence as, oh, I love these French fries, and I love you too, honey, you know, it, it just, there's something lacking with that, isn't it? In Scripture, there were, other, there, there were several different words to describe love, agapeo, agape, there was filio, and, and so all those words have meanings. Today, I want to talk to you about God's love for us and about that, what that ought to mean to us and what it means to him. So if you would, go with me to 1 John 4 and 8, and it says, He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word that it's life and truth. I humble myself before you today, God, and ask you, God, to flow through me. God, let me decrease so you can increase. God, I pray that you'll touch the hearts of those here today. In Jesus' name, amen. So I want to speak to you for a moment on a question of love. Would you say that with me? A question of love. Our capacity to love comes from God, whether we realize it or not. The love that you experience, uh, whether it's for your siblings or your spouse or your children, uh, all is a reflection of who God is. It's his love. Now, you can experience that without knowing him. Now, the Bible said, he who loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. But you need to understand that God can allow you to feel and experience love even when you haven't accepted him. And what he's doing is he's trying to give you a taste of who he is. Everybody say, love. love. You know, remember that song, what the world needs now is love sweet love everybody sing <laughs> and so we we talk about it but it becomes very difficult for us to really show it in the sense that God showed it to us the defining statement and remember I'm talking about love not lust there's a huge difference you know people can you know uh so girls just hear me if some guy's telling you he loves you and he's wanting you to share things and you're not married he's lying to you because this is do you understand that love doesn't force its way in 
Love is something that is experienced, and that's why I'm saying that we've gotten so confused in what love is. We live in a world that you, you can, that, that equates love to things that are ungodly, and that's not love. That, that, that's a twisted version of love. So if you're going to understand something about pure love, you're going to have to take a look at God because every, every, every true love that we've ever experienced, every feeling of true love we ever experienced is a reflection of God. He wants us to understand how much he loves us. And so John 3, 16 says what? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Everybody say God gave. You know, when we love somebody, we, we give them something, right? We, you know, the, the, I remember hearing a couple uh, children talk one time and, uh, about how that, you know, do unto others as you'd have others do unto you. And, you know, they got into a spat and one of them hit the other and the other one hauled off and man smacked him back and the parents got involved and said, well, don't you understand that, you know, you're not supposed to treat others that way, that, that the golden rule do unto others as you would have others do unto you. And he said, well, he did it unto me, so I did it back unto him. <laughs> and so, you know, I was just trying to follow the rule. We get it twisted, don't we? We, we? we manipulate it, we get it twisted. But to understand the concept of love, look at what God gave. In Matthew 1, 18, 23, now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit, and she shall bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So all this was done. Everybody say that with me. So all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. I want you to think about how God came to us. How does he establish that? How does he show up? A virgin conceives and has a child. Now, here's the troubling thing, and this is why I talk about people not understanding what real love is, because sadly, we have churches that do not believe in the virgin birth. And when I hear things like that, my response is, why don't you lock your doors up or turn that church into a hardware store or something, because you're not a church. If you're declaring to people that God got here some other way, that Christ came through a regular relationship, then we have no Savior. Do you understand that God did the impossible to make something possible for us? Think about how much that God loved us. It said that he gave his only begotten son. And the whole purpose of it, that scripture talks about it. It said that the whole 
purpose that this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophets saying, a virgin shall be with child and bear a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel, God with us. Remember, sin separated us from God. And the scripture said all of this was done for one purpose. God wanted to be with us. That ought to get you excited. It ought to excite you to know that there was no way in the world that I could step into the presence of a holy God because sin couldn't enter there. And I can't save myself. I can't redeem myself. So what does God do? God looks at us and he says, I love you so much. I'd rather die for you than live without you. So I'm going to do the impossible. I'm going to enter into your world and I'm going to build a way for you to come to me. That's why the scripture says Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. What's he saying? He said, I'm making a way for you to come to God, God with us. Have you ever enjoyed someone's company and you didn't want to leave, just wanted to hang out with them? Debbie and I first started dating. I was driving from Southern Illinois, a place called Buncombe. I moved from Chicago, from, from, well, from the Chicago area to a place called Buncombe. You know what that's like, man? I had, I had shell shock. They, I, my literature teacher in the school I was leaving gave me a going away party, made a great big chocolate chip cookie, and she wrote on it, where is Buncombe? Man, how many of you happen to know where Buncombe is? Wave your hand if you know where. Oh, my goodness, man. Well, let me tell you, Buncombe is just a spot in the road now, but when I lived there, it was a great metropolitan area. There was, there was a gas station in town. But you could walk into that gas station and the attendant would wait on you with tobacco juice dripping off of his chin and, 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 and find out what you wanted. He'd fix you a pizza, give you some extra toppings. If you, if you wanted it, I could go in there and buy a cold Coke. It had cats sitting all up on top of it, and it was the only place I could get a cold Coke in town. So I'd shoo the cats off of it, get the Coke, go outside, get a rag, spit on the top of it, and start wiping it off, trying to make sure I wasn't getting a cat hair, and drink that Coke. And I thought, Mom, what did you do to us? I was in a place I didn't want to be. You ever been there in a place you didn't want to be? We talked about enjoying the presence of someone to the point that you wanted to stay with them, but have you ever felt lonely and found yourself in a place you didn't want to be? Thoughts you didn't want to have? Feelings that you were wrestling with? And yet God saw all that. He saw the dilemma we were in. And he said, I want to be with you. God with Emmanuel stepped into our world because we couldn't navigate it. Came into our sphere because we couldn't get into his without help. When I was in that place called Buncombe, I ended up driving down to Missouri to play racquetball with a guy and while I was down there I ended, I ended up meeting a little girl down there and got kind of attached to her I enjoyed spending time with her so I was driving from 
southern Illinois down to southeast Missouri and, you know, spending time with Debbie and, you know, till, sometimes till four o'clock in the morning just talking about the things of God. <laughs> we talked about God stuff. <laughs> and so it's, see, here's the deal. Is that when, when you really fall in love you want to spend time that's why you're here today it's because you want to spend some time with God Amen. one of the things I always look for uh, after church is to see how fast everybody leaves <laughs> it's kind of a barometer or a thermometer if you will on whether or not they're enjoying the presence of God and the presence of one another. Sometimes if I, have you ever been someplace where you couldn't wait to get out? You know what I'm talking about? It's just like, man, this preacher is just going on and on and on. It's a true story. There was a guy preaching in a, play, in a church I know of in Texas, and he was talking about the seven mountains. And he'd been preaching for over an hour and a half, I think they told me. And he, he lost his place, and he made a statement. He said, now, which mountain was I on? And the pastor's wife screamed out, the last one. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't want to, I, I want to be able to enjoy the presence of God. And that's what God wants for us. He wants us to enjoy his presence. Now, this is what's hard to get our mind around because he enjoys ours. For God so loved that he gave, he came because he wanted to get a love to us that we'd never known, had never experienced, that he knew would change our lives. Now watch this. In Romans 5 and 8, Paul tells us that God demonstrates his own love toward us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He was taking a chance on us. There was no guarantee yeah, let me ask you a question. How many of you have ever given a gift to someone that didn't appreciate it? Wave your hand. Yep. When that happens, I, I, in the first service I illustrated it, I said, just think about if you had a brand new car that you were going to give to someone and you, and you had the keys to it and you walked up to them and you said, hey, I got, I, got, I got a brand new car for you. And they look at you and they say, well, I don't really care for that. I'm not sure I want that car. What would you do? I tell them, well, you ain't going to have to worry about getting it. I put them keys back in my pocket, and I'll go find somebody that really wants the car. Do you know what God did? God brought out the keys. Christ died for it. God demonstrates his love toward us in that Christ died for us before we ever said, yes, I want you, in the midst of our, well, I don't know if I want him or not. It didn't stop him. He came. He came and he gave because he wants to be with us. With us. What's it mean to be with someone? To share time with someone. You ever been trying to get away from someone? <laughs> that's, not, that's not what God, God was saying. I, I want to create a road that you can travel to get to where I'm at. And then he said, and I'm going to leave it your choice. I'm going to make the way 
but you're going to have to walk the road. Jesus said, whosoever will, let them what? Come to me. He's saying, I, I've made a way, but now you have to come. God wants that same kind of love that he has for us to live in us and flow through us. Have you ever felt loved before by someone? Felt loved? How many of you know I love you? You better raise your hand right now. No, <laughs> we say, see, sometimes love can't be forced. Love is something that has to be felt. It has to be experienced. It has to be known. And honestly, it's a lot easier for folks to know that Debbie loves them than it is that I love them. I've had people come in here and Debbie loves them and they say, I'm kind of afraid of your husband. Why? Because I don't run up to them and throw my arms around them and welcome them in like Debbie does. As a matter of fact, if I ran up and threw my arms around some of you the way she did, you'd all bet you wouldn't have come back. But it's knowing that you're cared for, knowing that you're loved. And so Paul teaches us something about this love that's pure and that's genuine in Corinthians, the 13th chapter, 1 Corinthians. Listen to what he says. He said, though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not love, I become as a sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. What's he saying? He's saying I can speak in an earthly language and I can speak in a heavenly language. But if I don't love you, it's all just sounds empty. A sounding brass, tinkling symbol oh it, it, I, I may be saying the right things but it feels hollow to you you see you can't you may try and fake love but at some point real love always makes itself known in ways that are undeniable watch look at the second verse of this and though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith, everybody say all faith. Think about that. Though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains, but have not love, I'm nothing. Look in the next verse. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not love, it profits me nothing. What's Paul saying? Paul's saying that, well, verse 2 speaks of faith, and verse 3 speaks of works. James tells us that faith without works is dead. But here Paul is telling us that faith and works mean nothing unless they're motivated by love. Unless you're doing what you're doing because of love, it's all empty. Think about what the Scripture said. Jesus makes a statement. He said, there'll be those that come in the last days and say in the last days that there'll be some that come and say, Lord, I prophesied in your name, and in your name did many great works. And it said that he's going to look at them and say, depart from me, ye workers of iniquity. I never knew you. What's he saying? He's saying it's not enough to just get a spiritual mind and to do stuff for me. Unless you learn how to love people like I love people, it all means nothing. It all means nothing. Can I, can I confess to you 
How, how many of you remember foot washings? Do you, do you relate to that? Do you understand what that is? We don't do those any, well, we do, but we do them every day. I do mine in my shower. But, you know, the old-fashioned foot washing where we all made sure our feet were clean before we came to church because someone was going to wash our feet at church. And I, I remember that I was getting ready for a foot washing, and I was a national youth director of an organization, you know, and a state youth director of an organization, and, and I'm in the service, and I'm looking around, and don't tell me you all didn't do this. If you, part, if you participated in this, you all know how this works. You look around to find out whose feet you want to wash and whose feet you want or who you want washing your feet. So you kind of pair off, you know. It's like a pecking, oh yeah, well Ray can wash my feet, but I don't know that person over there. I'm in the meeting and there's a, there's a young man in that meeting that is mentally challenged. And I'm looking over the building to see whose feet I want to wash. And God points that young man out to me and he said, I want you to wash his feet. And it was so strong that I couldn't shake it. And I walked over, man, tears running down my eyes. And I walked over and I looked at him and I said, could I wash your feet? He started crying and I took his shoes and socks off and started washing his feet. And I, I recognized something. I recognized that this isn't about just a bunch of stuff, a bunch of works, a bunch of doing something. This is about demonstrating love the way that he loves us. And so he went to the lowly. He Listen, I didn't deserve salvation. I, I shouldn't even be on the list, but he didn't give it to me because I deserved it. He gave it because he loved. He loved me. He saw I was in trouble and I needed help and he came to rescue me. That's the kind of love he brings. That's what he offers. Paul goes on to tell us, he describes this love. He says, love is patient. It's kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It's not irritable. And it keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins. <laughs> Let me try that again. But rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful, and endures through every circumstance. Three things will last forever. Faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. Can I ask you a question? Let's go back up and look up there in the top row again. Verse 4. Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It's not irritable. And it keeps no record of being wrong. Can I ask a question? Have any of you ever been that way? Have any of you ever been irritable? Has anybody in here ever been rude? Have you ever, have you ever kept track of what people did to you? Any, anybody? The truth is everybody in here has been that way one time or another. Is that not right? Some point in your life, you acted out. If you don't believe me, ask the person sitting next to you. 
at some point in your life, we got, so I'm looking at this and I'm thinking about what love is and I'm thinking, man, that looks like almost an unachievable list, but this is the whole point of Paul writing to us. He's saying, I'm writing to you about not something you can do. I'm writing to you about what he did. And if you let him, he'll let that flow through you. He'll let that work through you and he'll let that live in you. That's when you know it's God. Jesus makes a statement. He said, well, you know, you ain't done nothing big when you love somebody that loves you. Anybody can do that. Even publicans, those are sinners. Even publicans can do that. He said, they can do that. He said, but love those that hate you. Wow. Do good to those that despitefully use you. You, you're talking to somebody else, right? How often should I forgive? Till seven times, Lord? Because Peter thought that was pretty big. And he said, not till seven times, but until 70 times seven. I remember, man, I'm telling you the truth. When I, I first got saved, I went to my pastor. And I said, when Jesus said, till 70 times seven, I said, after that, that's 490 times. I said, after that, can I hit him? Because I had a brother that, I mean, pushed the limit every day, man. It was just like, and I, I thought, you know, and, and that I, I missed what he was saying. It's not about arithmetic. It's about love. He's saying, don't keep track. Don't, don't, don't do that. And so the disciples he looks at him one time and he says, if, if, if he comes to you this many times in a day and this many times in a day, he says, you know, he asks for, for, he repents and, and he asks for forgiveness. He said, you shall forgive them. He didn't say you can if you want to. He said, you shall forgive them. You know what the very next word is out of the disciples' mouth? Lord, increase our faith. Because, <laughs> man, I mean, I can't do this on my own. That's the whole point. None of us can. That's why his love is so special. That's why it's so powerful. And that's why it means so much. Everybody say, God's love. Here's the good news. Hebrews 13 and 8 said, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So he hasn't changed his mind. He's still the same. Now we need to let that same love throw, flow through us so all those around us will come to know him. How many of you have ever needed help loving someone? You know what I'm talking about? I mean, there's some people that are easy to love, right? I don't have any trouble loving them, but there's some folks that get under my skin. Some people, now y'all looking, now all sitting out there, oh, no, I can't believe the pastor said that. You said that about me. <laughs> Sometimes, some, you know, and so we need help loving each other. And that's what he's letting us know. He's saying, look, you're not alone in this. I didn't give you these commands and then turn away and walk away from you. You need to remember that I am Emmanuel, God with us. I, I, I hadn't left you. I haven't forsaken you. I am with you. That's powerful. God with us. Now watch this. John 13, 34, Jesus speaking, he said, so now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other just as I have loved you. You should love each other. 
your love for one another will prove to the world that you're my disciples. What's he saying? He's saying, I'm not asking you to just try and treat each other with some degree of civility. He said, I'm telling you to love each other the way that I've loved you. Then that way the whole world is going to know that I'm real because they're going to take one look at you and go, I know they couldn't do that on their own. How, how many of you still remember when you weren't saved? Wave your hand. If, if you, hold your hand up if you can remember when you weren't saved. I mean, maybe you were, you know, born saved out of the, but not according to Scripture. That doesn't happen like that. But, but I can remember when I wasn't saved. When I got saved, I wasn't the only one that knew it. All my friends came up to me and said, man, what happened to you? I said, let me tell you. <laughs> let me tell you because it changed me. See, love does something. Love changes us from the inside out. It's not, I can't, do you, you understand salvation isn't something about me putting on or a certain length I wear my hair. That's not salvation. Salvation is about for God so loved the world that he gave and Emmanuel came with us, then gave himself for us so he could be in us. Now we've got to let him flow through us. Everybody say flow. He wants us to share it and declare it that we are loved. Would you stand with me? We are loved. Do you remember what it felt like when you first fell in love? When I, I'm, I'm saying this, I, I'm not, this isn't about me. How many, you know, how can I say this? When I fell in love with Debbie. Debbie became God's gift to me. We ought to treat each other like that when we fall in love because that's God's gift to you. Scripture said that when a man finds a wife, he finds a good thing. It's not calling your wife a thing. It's saying that when you find someone to love, that's good. And it's going to change your whole world, your whole perspective. It'll change things for you. When you love someone, you remember that song? You were always on my mind. May not be able to do it on key. You were always on my mind. You know what I told Debbie right after I gave her my ring? Of course, she hit her age. I didn't know she was 14. I thought she was 17. I didn't find out for three months she was 14. That was when her sister brought her report card to me and it said, Debbie Russell, ninth grade, 14. This is a big one. <laughs> she looked at me and she said, well, just forget it then. I looked at her. I said, I can't. I'm already in love with you. 
on my mind. I, I gave her my rings when she, you know, because I asked her, I said, how old are you? About 17. She said, it sounds good. <laughs> I gave her my ring. And when I gave her my ring, see, I didn't understand love yet. I gave her my ring and I said, look, I know we live a great, a, a long way apart. So you can still date guys and I'll date other girls. And I, I started on my way home. I started thinking about that because at the time I was just thinking about going out with other girls. And then I was thinking, wait a minute. I told her she could go out with other guys. So I called her up as soon as I got home and I said, hey, you remember what I told you? She said, yeah. I said, forget it. I don't want you going out with anybody. I'm not going to finish what I said, but I said, I don't want you going out with anybody else. She went to school the next day and she sketched my picture from memory because I was on her mind. I can't draw, you know. But she was with me that next day in my heart and in my head. See, when you fall in love, that's why the word said, think on whatsoever things are pure and holy and just and of a good report. What's he saying? He's saying, I need you to keep your mind on me. If you love me, think about me. If you love me, stay focused on me. David makes a statement. He said, thy word have I hid in my heart so I won't sin against you. What's he saying? He's saying, I'm learning some things about you. I'm, I'm getting to know you better. Love. Love goes the extra mile. I was listening to a news report on a radio when this story came on. There was a family, they, they were in Florida, and their backyard adjoined a lake. Mother was in the kitchen, and she was washing dishes, and her boy was down by the lake playing. And all of a sudden, she watched an alligator jump up out of the water and grab her boy got him by the leg, started dragging him into the lake. She took off running, got into, I mean, he was almost underwater. She ran into the water, grabbed hold of his arms and started pulling and there's a tug of war going on. The gator's appetite was ferocious, but mama's love was too and would not let go. A neighbor spotted what was going on and he ran over there with a stick and he started jabbing the alligator in the eyes and finally the gator let go. They rushed the boy to the hospital and treating him, a newscast showed up that evening talking to the boy and about his legs that were marred by that gator. And they, as they talked about that, that boy smiled real big and he said, that's nothing. Look at my arms. His mama had left claw marks in his arms because she dug in and she wouldn't let go. <laughs> now hear me. 
They were focused on the scars that caused pain, but he was focused on the scars that depicted love. I want you to understand today that I'm focused on the scars, not in my life that have caused me pain, but the scars that prove he loves me. God with us. The hope of glory. Whatever your need is today, there's a God that loves you. There's a God that cares about you, a God that wants to take care of you. I'm going to give you a moment right now as they sing this song to come. I want to pray with you. If you've got a need, you need to know that his name is Emmanuel. God with us, not God away from us. The distance, but God with us. As they sang this song, would you come right now? If you've got a need, I want you to come right now. We'll wait for just a moment. Go ahead. My heart has been in your sights long before my first breath. Running into your arms is running to Soul needs a friend, so I'll run to you. 
I love. Sometimes, I, you know, if, when God touches you, it demands a response. Sometimes it's tears. Sometimes it's joy. Sometimes you're just overwhelmed by love and you can't stand. It's the reality of who he is. It's being able to surrender and fall into his arms and trust him, knowing that he is not forgotten. Because he's promised I'll never leave you or forsake you, and I'll go with you to the end of the world. When I came to know God, I never I was not raised in church. So I wasn't going to believe something just because somebody told me. I had to know. And I'll tell you up front that I would have never stayed if living for God had just been about coming and sitting on a church pew. There had to be a reality to God for me. And when that reality grabbed my heart, nothing else mattered anymore. Do you understand? Everything from that point on was about, God, what do you want me to do? I wasn't a preacher. I, had, I was in a meeting in Chicago. Somebody came up and prophesied over me that I was going to preach, and I thought, buddy, you got the wrong guy. I ain't happening. It's not about us. It's all about him. And if you remember that, no matter where you find yourself, and no matter what you're facing or what you're walking through, you're going to sense that his presence is lifting you up. It's carrying you when you're too weak to go on and is reminding you I'm here, I haven't forgotten, and it's not over till I say it's over. Can you love him today? What do you say that we just go out and be a conduit? Just let God flow through us. Maybe in your smile, maybe in a phone call, You've got no idea how annoying that is. <laughs> You've got no idea how much God wants to use us. We keep focusing on ourselves and saying, God, I can't. He's saying, if you'll focus on me, you'll say, I can't. <laughs> Amen. Come on, let's give him a hand clap of praise in this house. Grab somebody by the hand, look them right in the eye and say, I want you to know I love you. Amen. Now, now declare this. Jesus loves you. We love you. You have a Merry Christmas. We hope you're here next week for, we hope you're here next week for Sunday service. We have calendars and ink pens in the lobby for you. You want to make sure you get those ink pens. They are spectacular. They say Merry Christmas all over them, all right? We love you guys. We'll see you next time.